Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You are now tuned to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV. Even on the radio. Pop up at a blind spot. And on my way go. We in Bitten Airwaves. Cool. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to another Friday night live edition of Cool Radio with your host, DM Cool. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Indeed, indeed. Tell a friend to tell a friend that we're live on the airways right now, and we have a lot to get to. So, as you guys already know, throughout my social media posts and what have you, Nicki Minaj finally released her response to uh, Sheether, which is entitled No Fraud. So, we're going to get into that song later on, and then we're going to be discussing that. But... I did not come alone. Around the 8.45 mark, I have singer, songwriter, and also friend of the show, Melanie Marshall, in studio. So she's going to be talking about that with me, as well as some other things to get to that as well. But before we get to all that, you guys already know how I start the show off, man. I got to get some stuff off my chest. So on that note, I think it's time to let that itch breathe. Let this bitch breathe. Of course, of course. So... What I want to talk about before before I get into what I want to get into, uh, last week we did a special edition uh, to kick things off the show. So last week we debuted our first Friday's cool album review. So we're going to be doing that the first Friday of each month, and you guys give me ideas on what we're going to review, basically. So last week I kicked it off with the uh, album The Chief from Jidenna. So if you haven't heard that review, make sure you go to the SoundCloud page at Cool underscore Radio and check out the review. It's the first uh, 10 minutes of the show, so make sure you check it out. Give me some feedback. Let me know your thoughts on it, and we're going to keep it moving with that. So we are back to regular Fridays, however, so you will hear me air some stuff off of my chest, of course. So let's get into that right now. So last or night, not even last week, yesterday, actually, I'm going to talk about last week. Yesterday was the anniversary of the passing, the 20th anniversary. Jesus Christ, I just realized that. The 20-year 20, the 20 anniversary of the passing of Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. Notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. Biggie Smalls, a.k.a. The Black Frank White. We can go on and on with his uh, uh, pseudonyms and what have you. But nonetheless, it was the anniversary of his passing. So, of course, a rest in peace shadow is in order. So, rest in peace most definitely. And um, a lot of things that people were talking about yesterday on social media was the impact that he had on the game. Was he the greatest? You know, what did he do to help the East Coast movement back in the mid-90s and what have you? And this has all been talked about plenty and plenty of times over and over again, but I think it's important to reiterate because he had such a strong contribution. I mean, let's get to that first and foremost. So as we all know, from the early to mid-90s, West Coast rap, from a mainstream standpoint, was dominating the airwaves. Of course, you had acts like the Wu-Tang Clan. You had Nas. Uh, Jay-Z was up and coming at that time. A Tribe Called Quest, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. But there were very few acts within the East Coast scene that were dominating the charts. It was all West Coast. It was Snoop. It was Dre. It was the Dog Pound. It was Ice Cube. Like, the, the list can go on and on. Basically, 75% of Death Row was the West Coast, and they were dominating the charts. So in comes Biggie. Biggie was just as hardcore as your Wu-Tang Clan, as a Nas, so, so on and so forth. But with the tutelage of Sean Puffy Combs, they basically transformed his style from a rugged street act into something that was mainstream, that could be played on the radio, what have you. He was basically Cool G rap meets Heavy D, in a sense. And that's the type of formula that, that Diddy made around Biggie to make it more commercially viable. Sampling records from 70s and 80s to give him more of a smoother sound, more refined, if you will. And then within the B-sides of his albums, you still have that hardcore stuff that he could fall in love with. So Biggie, in that sense, at that point in time, was one of the few rappers who had that mainstream appeal, 
but also had that street hardcore thug appeal that we all love within hip hop. He was able to bring the two worlds together, and very few rappers in history were able to do that. So I think that's one important aspect that we need to think about when we're talking about Biggie, the fact that he was so versatile and could rap over anything and still keep his signature sound. We're talking about the guy who rapped over a record entitled Notorious Thugs, which featured Bone Thugs and Harmony, and he took their signature, signature style and rapped on their record using that style. So again, versatility. He's one of the few rappers who was able to influence a generation of other rappers to... Uh, institute versatility within their records to get more airplay wherever they were. Now, here's the question that everybody wants to ask. Where does he rank in the pantheon of rappers? Is he the greatest all time? Is he top five, et cetera, et cetera? First and foremost, he's definitely top five. I, I think that's not even debatable. What he did in such a short span of time basically was almost like an atom bomb of sorts that just spread and permeated throughout the generations and generations of hip-hop. It's almost like Vince Carter and his short time in Toronto. He spent about six and a half years, but the first three years were very monumental. If not for that, we wouldn't be getting such an influx of Canadian basketball players like Andrew Wiggins, Tristan Thompson, Corey Joseph, et cetera, et cetera. And that was all because of the influence that he brought into Toronto. And he's not even American either, or Canadian rather. So that's a crazy thing. But anyways, I'm using that as an example to explain Biggie's influence in such a short amount of time. Um, If it weren't for him... There's basically so many styles of hip-hop that you wouldn't even see in today's, in today's uh, generation. You wouldn't see the amount of uh, rappers in nowadays who have so much crossover appeal because of Biggie and how they're able to master how to handle the street stuff with the mainstream stuff, basically. At a time where rappers were very, were very um, aggressive with their vocals, for the most part, he just came in and rapped to smooth stuff, basically. And you, you can think of, like, all the records that he, that he's ever rapped on, you know? It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and have a D up in the limousine. That smooth intonation and that very smooth cadence to his records for the most part, when it came to his mainstream stuff at least, it was something that wasn't really practiced very often. Nas may have been the only person I can think of, and Rock Kim as well to a certain extent, but they weren't bringing that into a into a commercial standpoint. So that's at least one of the influences that he's had. Also, wordplay was his main forte as well, and so many of his so many of his metaphors were double or even triple entendres at one point in time, and very few rappers again. Uh, weren't using that type of style, but because he he made that more viable, you see a lot more rappers inf- uh, implementing that into their arsenal. Fabulous is well known for that. Big Sean, to a certain extent, is known for that. Um, uh, Cassidy, we use more of a derivative of Big L, but again, you can see the Biggie influence seep in here and there. So he influenced the way people w- would speak on their on their records. Storytelling was another strong part of his arsenal as well. Um, so there's so many things that he brought to the game. Now, is he the greatest of all time? That debate will never end. Me, personally, I say no, because as great of an influence he had and as great as his first two albums, or only two albums were, like, during his lifespan, I should say, um, that's the thing. It's only two albums. To me, you got to have more than just two albums to be considered the greatest of all time. There are two great albums, and unfortunately, you know, the second one was at, at its untimely demise, but nonetheless, you need more in your catalog to achieve that level. I mean, is it fair to a Jay-Z who has 10-plus albums in his career? Is that fair to a Nas who's in that same category as well with 10-plus albums? So for me personally, I can't go that far and give him the greatest of all time. Would we call Muhammad Ali the greatest boxer of all time after only one fight? Would we consider Michael Jordan the greatest basketball player of all time after only one game? So I think we have to, you know put that into the equation in the name of fairness, basically. So those are just my two cents on the matter. Nonetheless, he should be respected as one of the greatest rappers of of all time. And more importantly, I feel like he's arguably the most influential rapper of all time. Him and Pac are neck and neck in that regard. But they're def- But he's definitely up there as far as top five. I don't think anyone will ever, ever argue for him to be outside of top five. He's definitely earned that moniker in the short amount of time he's been in the game. But I personally wouldn't put him as the greatest of all time. In fact, I don't even know who the greatest of all time is because there are so many great rappers. Nas personally is my favorite rapper of all time, but I don't know if I can put him in the greatest category, you know? Um, I could say that about Jay-Z, but again, I don't know. There's just 
too many to choose from, and they've had their con- their fair share of contributions to the game. But I want to know what y'all think. Who do you think is the greatest rapper of all time? Do you think Biggie is the greatest rapper of all time? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio to let me know your thoughts. Coming up after the commercial break, I have my guest for the evening, Melanie Marshall. She will be talking to us about her new projects in the works and so much more. But before we get to that, we got to get to an MC who is often cited as having Biggie as one of his favorite rappers of all time. And I'm talking about my man, Audric Rose. And this is his single, Over Everything. And it's only on Cool Radio. Yeah. <laughs> Maximum FM Hip Hop. Like us on Facebook. Sounds. Oh. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. I'm all picture perfect. Uh, you are now tuned to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. Now, as promised, we do have our guest of the evening. She is no stranger to the cool walls of Cool Radio, um, but she is new to the walls of the Maximum FM station, most definitely. She is a singer and songwriter from Mississauga, but she now resides in Toronto, um, and she has a many... Uh, news to share with us as well so on that note i have to throw it to the lovely and talented melody marshall or aka as we now go by mel flower mel welcome to the show thank you thank you Am don't, I loud enough? Don't be. Uh, you want to speak up just a little bit more? Okay, okay. There you go. You got it. You got it. All right. I see the waves bumping. Okay, there we go. All right. So let's get to it. So first and foremost, breaking news. You have now been known as the artist formerly known yeah. as, as Melody uh, Marshall, but now you go by Mel Flower. So what influenced the name change, actually? Um, experiences, personal growth in life, and just that's just the stage I'm at right now. Um, a good, good friend of mine, fellow artist, mm-hmm. helped to come up with the name. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we, we just flew with it, so we're here. All right. So, <laughs> so you basically get 10% is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I go up, he goes out, you know. Of course, of course. All right. So, uh, apart from the name change, actually, like, what have, you been, what have you been up to uh, since your last appearance on the show? Um, I've been... Doing a lot of stuff at home, just laying low, um, mm. mostly writing and just the whole reinventing myself thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the mic plays a little tricky. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> 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 Breaking my neck. Um, no. Um, yeah, just a lot of home stuff. Working on myself personally mm-hmm. as a person, and then as an artist, mm-hmm. reinventing, trying to find where I would like to. Not fit in, but fit in in a sense, mm-hmm. you know. Just fit in with yourself personally, yeah, like what exactly. you feel most comfortable with, I, I guess, right? Exactly. All right, most definitely. So it's a little bit of, uh, I would say, soul searching on your on your end. Is that what you would describe it as? Yeah, more or less. That's that's what it was. I, in that time span, I went through a lot, like emotionally and stuff like that. So. Yeah. So now you found your center of gravity. Basically. Yeah. All right. You so know, you're you're well balanced now. Uh-huh. Getting there. You're getting there. All right. There you go. Progress is a process at the end of the day. Exactly. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's uh, talk about some singing, shall we? Okay. So uh, with R&B, it's definitely going in a different direction nowadays, uh, whether it's you know from the male standpoint or the female standpoint. So in your opinion, you, you being a singer as well, uh, what's your take on the change of direction these days? I think change is cool sometimes mm-hmm. to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but it's... It begins to be tiresome when everyone sounds the same now. Yeah. So that's all I have to say about that. Like, Mm -hmm. basically, just it's cool. It it was good while it lasted, but they're kind of like dragging this thing on, like this whole trap soul thing. They're kind (laughs) of, they're kind of dragging it. Yeah, it's like overstated. It's welcome, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of over it, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like a lot of people are. Yeah. So it's just getting to that next hot thing, I guess. Exactly. So, would you attribute that to the pressures of like mainstream radio and all that um i attribute that to that as well as other artists just hip-hop artists that obviously get more shine with their trap music yeah so it's just it's just ways i get it i get that it's ways for singers to be relevant Mm -hmm. like oh they have trap music let me do trap soul yeah And and you know what i've noticed actually it's it's very ironic just the fact that I noticed with a lot of black artists in particular who are within the mainstream, they're the ones who are performing trap soul, so to speak. But then you have 
artists outside of the black community who are excelling at just like the classic standard form of R and B, basically. Um, so who's your example? So my example of someone who is a black artist who does more like trap soul would be like Bryson Tiller, for right, example. Right. But that's how he and came up. That's that, how he came like, up. So too. he's the only exception. Like that okay. is he pretty much crowned that style, right? Okay. So would you say someone like let's say Trey Songs, for example, would you consider him to have migrated to that trap soul sound? In ways, yeah. yeah in, in ways, mm-hmm. um, that's why I don't really. I haven't really taken him in too much recently. Yeah. Unless it's like mixtape stuff. Any mainstream stuff that he has, I tried to stray from. Yeah. Because I'm like, this doesn't sound like, like yeah, you. Exactly. So. And then, so, and then an like, example of like a white artist doing like more traditional R&B would be like Adele, for example, basically. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. why I was leaning on towards that's like, like super traditional. Yeah, like R&B. Adele or like maybe like a Sam Smith, for example, to Sam, a certain okay. extent. Yeah, that's why I was more primarily thinking the the UK cats. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> the, the, the chaps, the blokes. <laughs> yeah, no, but I like them though. I like that. I think, I, that, I I think they're stupidly talented. Like it doesn't even make sense. It so, doesn't. I'm yeah. telling you, like I. I've been telling people, like, I just want to go there and drink their water. It must be something <laughs> in the water. Like, I don't know what it is, but their voices are all just naturally, like, insane. But, but, you, know, but you know what it is, though. It's, a, it's just um, the, um, the widespread, like, the widespread influence of jazz, basically, of, of jazz culture. Yeah. And then I think with England, like, they more, or the UK in general, they more have, like, a traditional old school sound. So if there's anyone who does R&B, it's not going to sound like the R&B that we hear in America, for example, is going to sound like traditional R&B. So if we're talking about Adele or Amy Winehouse or, Amy or Duffy. I was just thinking about yeah, her exactly. as you said it. I was like, yo, Amy. Exactly. <laughs> or, or Duffy or, or Daniel Mayweather, you know, like or Merriweather, I should say. Like people, like people who may not be as wide known, but that's the sound that they roll with, basically. Mm-hmm. And so I feel, like, me personally, I just feel like, uh, like, the black artists in particular in America should kind of go back to that sound because that sound is timeless. Whereas a trap soul sound, it's going to be here for maybe like another three minutes for all we know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just like, I I do feel like um, it is coming back. Like mm-hmm. you've got some older artists coming back, um, older R&B groups and stuff like that, like yeah. 90s people coming back. So it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. I'm, I get excited about those because I know they, they wouldn't, sell out for the trap soul exactly because like it's not their generation basically <laughs> it's so, not like it would sound very awkward if Gerald LaVert so was, was, was singing over like drum snares and like booming bass I'm like LaVert this ain't you bro <laughs> yeah but yeah let's keep it moving though so um in particular while we were on the topic there are now rappers who are singing on their records as well and there's some actually talented ones and not so talented ones basically I think one example of a talented one would be uh, would be Childish Gambino. Like he's he's, yeah, he's, he's amazing. Easily the most versatile artist in hip hop, in my opinion. Yeah. Because if you listen to every album, they don't sound the same. Nope. You had an experimental rap album, and then just an experimental album in general, and then R and B EP, and then a funk album. You know what I mean? So when you hear rappers like a Childish Gambino. Or like a Jadena, for example, who's very good at singing as well. Like, what's your take on that? Like, do you feel as if they can hold their own uh, against, like, a more full-time singer, so to speak? Definitely. Sometimes they end up holding their own more. Like, they're, like, they're just goals. Mm-hmm. They're just goals. Like, mm-hmm. they're any versatile artist goals. Like, mm-hmm. me personally, I haven't done the rapping thing yeah. in front of anyone. But... Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> But I got it in there. You got it in there? I got there. it in there. Okay, okay. You know, I got some flow. No, you, got, you got the bars. <laughs> I got the <laughs> Hopefully you got the more bars. than Nicki Minaj, I'm just saying. Oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said it. <laughs> well, don't worry. We'll get to that I later know. on. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, but no, like, I think it's great that, like, I, that, that rappers are going beyond the boundaries of rap. I feel like yeah. that's what makes your music more timeless. Even someone like Kendrick Lamar, who doesn't have a traditional singing voice, yeah. but nonetheless, it's very unique. It's it's kind of, it's almost like, it sounds somewhat similar to like Eric Abadu in a sense, whenever I listen to Kendrick Lamar, uh, or even like an Andre 3000 in, in certain aspects. Yeah. But like, I just like the fact that a lot of these rappers, they use their voice as an instrument, basically. Because as a vocalist, that is primarily what you're supposed to do. And I like the fact that they're taking that aspect and putting it into their music because 
it becomes more than rap in that regard. It's now becoming something more than that. So that's what I personally appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's uh, rewind back to February, actually. Uh, as we all know, the Grammys take place in February each and every year. And Beyonce was, in my opinion, snubbed for the album of the year. Yeah. Um, and even Adele said it herself as well. She's like, yo, like, give this award to Beyonce. Like, What are we doing <laughs> over here, right? So what I've noticed, actually, I did some research, and it's been nine years since a black artist won the album of the year title. And the last artist to do it was Herbie Hancock. He was the last black artist to do it. So do you feel like this was all by design or has it been fair play when you look down the oh, list of Oh, definitely has not been fair. The Grammys, most award shows are just not fair. Yeah. It's all politics. Politics, yes. That's, that's, everyone knows that who, who does it. Like if mm. anyone gets their track, yeah. Grammy nominated, it's like, oh, that's cool. But mm-hmm. they know you know, chances are. Yeah, it, it's almost like WWE. Like, you know, you almost know what's going to happen. It's already yeah. preordained and what have you. It's just like, oh, that's nice. It's good to have a song. Yeah. It's an honor to have a song nominated, but, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'll say this as well. When I'm looking back at, like, album, like, mind you, I'm not a huge Beyonce fan, but I respect her, basically. Same. Uh, two years in a row, she's had groundbreaking albums, basically. Like, they broke records. Like, they broke streams, plays, they created national dialogue. Yeah. yeah, national dialogue, which she's never really been known for. And then you look back at Kendrick Lamar when he got nominated for Album of the Year for To mm-hmm. Pimp a Butterfly against Taylor Swift's 1989. I haven't listened to 1989, but you can't tell me that 1989 created much more of a dialogue than To Pimp a Butterfly, unless if we're all talking about what boy she's talking about this time in, in the record, right? So it's just like... Grammys, y'all got to do it right, man. Like, you you snubbed Kendrick Lamar the first time around when he was nominated for Rap Album of the Year. And now you're going to do it again when when he's in the Album of the Year category. It's not like it's unheard of of hip-hop to win that award. I mean, Lauren Hill first did it in 1990. Or was it 1999 that she won? I think it's 99 because the album came out in 1990. Anyway, she she did it, like, almost 20 years ago. And then Outkast did it with uh, Speaker Box and Love Below. So it's not out of the norm. Well, it is out of the norm. But it's not impossible for a rap or an urban contemporary act to win that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was great. But, uh, <laughs> but no, it's not out of the ordinary for, for a black artist or for an artist in general who's in the hip-hop and R&B category. No, no, let's keep it black. To a black artist, because that was the original question, um, to, to win that award, basically. Mm-hmm. So what, in your opinion, needs to happen for the Grammys to be like, hey, we are going to recognize these people? Um... It's kind of a loaded question. I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like people might need to boycott them or just a lot of community outreach because the mm-hmm. people have all the say is yeah. what is what people don't understand. Like if people mm-hmm. threaten to not watch the Grammys, they're probably going to try to do something about it because mm-hmm. they, they're all off of views, right? That's how they, they cake up. So mm-hmm. that's it's messing with their bags, they, right? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the Revy line <laughs> She tried threatening my bag. I was like, "Yo, that's no. a, that's an interesting way of putting it." Okay, that's, that's, that was the best way to put it. Yeah, 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 no, I I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree most definitely. Um, and then real quick before we get into the next segment, um, ghostwriting. So that's been a hot button topic in hip hop for the last two years now, apparently. Yeah. And as we all know, songwriting is very common in the majority of forms of music, whether you're writing actual sheet music or if you're an artist yourself who's writing a song. For another artist to sing, it's very commonplace. You get your credit for it. You get like your your royalties and what have you. Yeah. yeah, you you put money in your bag, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff. But you know, nowadays, like in hip hop, well, hip, it's always been frowned upon in hip hop, but it's it's had much more of a spotlight now more than ever. Um, so you kind of you know, being on the outside looking in, what's your take on that? Um, my take on ghostwriting. Particularly for hip hop, mm-hmm. I feel like there should be less of that. Okay. I feel like if you're trying to be known as an artist, those are the pe- for the people who care about the artistry. Okay. If you're trying to be an artist, just try to like keep writing yourself. Yeah. Like the go- whole ghostwriting thing is just like, it's good. It works for them, right? It's mm-hmm. what sells them mm-hmm. millions of records. But, um, like people like Drake, for example, mm-hmm. who've had 
extreme ghostwriting. But, oh, um, wow. But, um... <laughs> Yeah. The shade. <laughs> <laughs> Just, um, it's all right, I guess. Everyone has to eat, right? Yeah. If that's how you want to do things, then then by all means. But me personally, like, I write my own stuff, and I wouldn't want anyone to write for me because that's how I feel. This is me expressing myself. So, mm-hmm. like I said, for the true artists that care about the artistry, they, mm-hmm. they'll probably not look into ghostwriting as much. But mm-hmm. for the people who just want to get out there and just to be seen mm-hmm. and for the fame and whatnot, then go for it. I'll I'll say this. I'll say this. I, and you know me. I'm, I'm a hip-hop head. Like, I, I was raised in the culture and what have you. But I'm going to say this just to be completely objective, to be completely fair. If you are seen as more of a performer, like a Diddy, for example, like a Jermaine Dupri, mm. I have no problem for those guys getting other people to write for them, like on a regular basis, basically, because they're entertainers. Basically, right, they want right, to be, they right, be right. performers, they want to be entertainers, and what have you. That's totally fine. Um, Kanye West, like all those guys, basically. I would say if you are a rapper of like a Jay Z or Nas caliber, basically, and you're constantly boasting about I'm the best rapper alive mm. or something to that extent, I don't mind artists writing bits and fragments of your songs here and there, depending on what type of records they are. Like, if they're just club records, for example, cool, go nuts. Mm-hmm. But if I were to find out that someone wrote the majority of Nas's catalog, I would be crushed as a fan because of the nuances that someone of this caliber brought to the game mm-hmm. and how it spread throughout the masses and what have you. You know, same with the Jay-Z or any other rapper with great lyrical ability. Well, see, that's why I brought Drake up because at one point people tried to say he was the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what people were on, but um, <laughs> at one point they tried to say he was the greatest and I, I just bring him up like no shade trying to be thrown yeah. at all, but it's just facts, you know, like he's he's been known to have a couple, more I'll, than a few. I'll, I'll say this about Drake. I'll say this about Drake in particular because we're on the topic right now. Um, before Drake got famous, you know, like like America famous, what have he you? Was good. He was, yeah, he was good. Like he was, he had more of like an underground appeal. He had more of like a like a Lupe Fiasco meets uh, Little Brother type of feel in a sense, in terms of the delivery and what have you. Like it was, it was a lot sped up. Basically, he had a lot more clever punchlines and what mm-hmm. have you. Even when he started getting famous, like oh eight oh nine, like he still possessed that. It probably wasn't until his second or third album is when we started to notice his cadence started to change a bit and what have you. And we have to keep in mind that he has a lot of R and B esque records as well. So for all we know, he probably had a gang of like other artists write for those records for him as well. And as we stated in the world of like R and B and like majority of other genres that's seen as fair play for the most part now we don't know how many songs people have written for him what people have contributed to certain songs but if we still want to consider him as like one of the better performers what have you we can still give him that title but as far as like greatest rapper or MC conversation he may have to pull we may have to pull him back on that depending on what's been written what hasn't been written I can tell what has been written for him and what he's wrote himself. If I'm listening to like Pound Cake or 6 p.m. in New York, that's all Drake. Like that rapid fire uh, cadence that he has, we know that's Drake getting busy on the mic. And that's the Drake I love to hear personally. I love that Drake. But if I'm hearing something like, hold on, let's go, just hold on, we're going home, or know yourself, um, like any trap inspired record, I'm thinking to myself, someone wrote parts of that song for him or someone wrote that song for him all together because that's just for radio play for the most part so that's where i'm at when it comes to drake basically and just overall on the whole writing aspect like rappers writing for other rappers what have you it depends what types of songs and it depends how much songs you've written for that rapper Mm -hmm. because then you know you're kind of fiddling around with the roots and like what makes rappers rappers like for singers for example for singers it's not the lyrics that make singers it's the vocal it's the vocals how 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 much range and how high your octave pitch is and what have you how far you can carry it when it comes to rappers it's all about the lyrics like what stories can you paint for me how can you deliver it and what have you so every genre has a thing about what makes them them in Mm. a sense so i get it from that standpoint but nonetheless, we are going to keep it moving and what have you. We are going to get into our games portion, something that you're very familiar with. Yay. So on that <laughs> note, we got to get to the first game, the first of two games, rather. So this one is entitled Cool or Uncool. So we're going to drop that <laughs> just like this. Yeah. All right, there we go. So you guys already know the track playing in the background. That is from Diggable Plants, and that track is called cool like that or return of the cool basically nonetheless 
Mel, I'm going to give you a list of scenarios. And you are going to let me know whether they're cool or uncool. So feel free to bop them down to that as you're doing right now. Because I think it's cool. I forgot that that was recorded. (laughs) (laughs) It it don't matter. (laughs) It don't matter. (laughs) Booper reel. Uh, (laughs) But nonetheless, let's get things started. Uh, Pineapples on pizza. Cool or uncool? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, there's a story to this. No, it's just funny because it's it's obviously been spoken about a lot on social media recently. So, um, but... Cool. Okay. You Overall, it's because I used I've done it a few times, yeah. but it has to be a very special scenario. Okay. And it'd be very rarely like it has to be the perfect combination of ingredients, yeah. and it couldn't be like from a pizza pizza standpoint. It would have to be like some gourmet shit. Oh, okay, it's so like originally made. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a perfect storm that we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair like enough. I make fair it enough. At home. All right then. Okay. Uh, ooh, I know you're gonna like this one because you talked about this already. <laughs> Mother Nature teasing us. Cool or uncool? So uncool. Right, right. Literally, it's cool, but that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Because what was it like last We're week good. that it was like 15 degrees? And then like it now. Was, like earlier this week was nice. Yeah. And then the weekend came and just slapped us. was like, hey, I'm not done. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it totally snapped us. Like, it was like, <laughs> it was like I challenge you to a duel, taking off the glove and slapping this type of slap, basically. <laughs> uh, let's keep it moving, though. Um, now currently living downtown. Cool or uncool? Very cool. Very cool. What, what's your favorite aspect about downtown so far? Not having to travel on the sun buses. <laughs> oh, um, man. <laughs> no, everything's in reach. Um, it's more convenient, being that a lot of my jobs and performances are in toronto yeah it just makes sense it makes sense yeah, yeah. for sure uh, let's see Ooh, speaking of traveling actually ttc cool uncool it's a love-hate thing isn't it it is it really is i i just feel like they're pretty backwards when it comes to how they do things but uh-huh. obviously it works for me okay. it gets me where i need to be okay sometimes late uh-huh. sometimes not at all sometimes they might be but um you know it does the job all right so would you say that's cool or uncool ah i'm gonna say uncool for now uh, oh for now okay okay yeah. all right no 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 <laughs> problem with that um let's see here binge watching on netflix cool or uncool that's cool that's cool i'm so guilty of that. i think we all are yeah it's just it just happens like for me generally i don't really watch tv so yeah when i'm in the mood to watch stuff it's definitely like i'm the same way I'm like like 5 a.m <laughs> i haven't done it, it has been that bad for me it has been that bad it has been that bad but yeah if i'm watching like actual tv tv it's usually a basketball game for, for the most part um but as far as netflix do you have a go-to show or even a go-to movie right now um there's this show man i forgot what it was called but it's kind of new and it's i think it's uk based okay this girl i don't remember her I've been trying to, I was hanging out with a friend the other night, and I tried to remember the name of it. Yeah. And I just couldn't, and I couldn't remember her name, yeah. or how to even find her, but she has she has a very expressive face. Okay. That's all I could do to describe it. Fair enough, fair enough. But it's a kind of funny show, it's like quirky, yeah. comedy kind of shit. Um, and, yeah, um, when I did do my binge watching until 5 a.m., it nice. was Grey's Anatomy. Okay. And, like, I would... I already did Luke Cage, but stuff yeah. like that, you know? Okay. Just stay up real late and just, because everything, it would just happen, and then you'd want more at the end. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm not done. Exactly. Like, know, right? something crazy will happen at the end of the episode. Yeah, you're like, no, I want to go to bed, but no. <sighs> yeah, so that and, like, Once Upon a Time. I love Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time, you what? Once Upon a Time, the, t- the show. Oh, that's the name of the show? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. All right, then. So, we're going to go to our second game. And this one is a personal favorite of mine, because I always love people's responses to this. This one is entitled, I'd Quit the Game. <laughs> if I can find that. Oh, there we go, right there. Every second, every minute, man, I swear that she can get it. All right. So, in this alternate universe, you are living the bachelorette life. Mm-hmm. You are wheeling, dealing, kiss stealing, jet flying, limousine riding, all that good stuff. But there comes a point in time where every man and woman has to quit the game. They got to settle it down, uh, move into the white home with the white picket fence, 
tire swing, apple pie cool on the windowsill, Spud McKenzie looking dog, all that good stuff. I know I am, and I love it. <laughs> That's how God made me, baby. Woo! Um, if you had to quit the game for one of these two gentlemen that I have handpicked, mm. who would you quit the game for? And it's funny you mentioned Luke Cage because one of the people I have in this list is from that series. Would you quit the game for Idris Elba, or would you quit the game for Mahershala Ali, who was the gentleman who played Cottonmouth? Ooh, because you know what? He's not conventionally good look, like good looking to me, as in like my specific taste. Yeah, but he has this just—is it like his demeanor? I yeah, guess. It's okay. His demeanor. So it's That's more of the like, intangibles that, that make him attractive, yeah. right? Like okay. But then Idris is Idris. So yeah. I would pick Idris. Idris, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've never had I've never had a lady on the show who did not pick Idris if he was available. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, to me, he's kind of like the new Denzel now. Back in, like, in the 90s, right? everyone would be like, oh, my God, Denzel, oh, my yeah. God, right? But, like, now it, now it's uh, Idris Elba, which I absolutely love because he's, he's African. Yeah, yes. you know, <laughs> so he's winning for yes. us. We are here, oh, we are here. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah, there you go. All right. So, ladies and gents, cool cats and cool kittens, we still have the lovely... Melanie Marshall, a.k.a. Mel Flower, in studio right now. And before we get to our next segment, we got to pay these bills and what have you. However, we are going to be playing the new Nicki Minaj response track entitled No Fraud. So when we come back, our entire Trip Talk segment will be dedicated to that. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. And we'll be right back after these messages. Yo. <laughs> Maximum FM Hip Hop. Like us on Facebook. Good evening to all the cool cats and cool kittens in the place to be right now. It is your man, DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. <laughs> Sorry. I'm still in the, I'm still in the studio with, with, with Mel Flower <laughs> right now. We just finished listening to No Fraud from Nicki Minaj. And by our reactions, that should let you guys know how we feel about the song. But if you're just tuning in, we are about to do a breakdown of the response that Nicki Minaj gave to Remy Ma. Um, the longer way to respond to mind you. So let us break it down systematically, if you will. All right. So first of all, the song is entitled No Frauds and it features Drake and Lil Wayne. So somewhat of a young money reunion of sorts, basically. Now, a lot of people have been talking about this record since it dropped this morning and people's reactions have been very mixed to say the least. So on one end, it's like it's very underwhelming, especially when you consider what you heard from Remy Ma with the Sheetha record. And then on the other end, people are saying, well, she turned it into a club record. This record's going to get more plays and what have you, which is factual because of popularity. So like, there's no denying that. That's just the inevitable. But nonetheless, it's overall very underwhelming. And then to add insult to injury... She actually released an Instagram post following the release of that record. Mind you, the record was called three. Uh, the record release was all part of something called Three Packs from Paris, which which was three song releases. So it was that one, and then two more singles, which are now charting on the charts, of course. Um, and then she also released an Instagram post stating her views, so to speak, on the entire ordeal. But before I get to that, I want to get the immediate reaction of my guest, uh, Mel Flower. So, Mel, <laughs> what is your take on this record? <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> she, can't, she, can't, she can't even give a straight face right now. This is hilarious. Why did you come? Why did you, why did you attempt to come back? And you had to bring people. <laughs> Why are you trying to come back to a hip-hop artist on a trap beat? Why? <sighs> I just can't take her serious. I just can't. Yeah, I just can't take her serious. You just can't? You just... No. <laughs> bars, whether some of the bars were good or not, um... That's debatable. That's up in the air. But um, it's really not comparable it really to anything isn't. that has been thrown her way, even though everyone's like, another one wasn't as good as she either. Obviously not. But yeah. I feel like at this point, it's more fair to compare No Frauds, which is this record right here, right. to another one. Because they're both equally bad, in my opinion. 
Cause and, and another one would still beat this one, though. It's debatable, actually. Like You could make a debate for that. I think what it showed was each other's prowess in their respective fields. So Remy is is uh, your more prototypical, proto, prototypical, pardon me, rapper slash MC, basically, where she's mm-hmm. going to go bar for bar for bar for bar, bar so on and so How forth. How it's supposed to be. Whereas Nicki Minaj has now kind of evolved into the rapper songwriter type so someone yeah. who has a bit more structure into into their songs which is totally fine but in this type of battle or Where predicament rather freestyle battles it's, like it's battle battles you can't you can't do that you have to come as raw as they come like but see here's the thing though few rappers in history have been able to find the balance between the two like jay-z for example found the balance when he did take over First verse is dedicated to Mob Deep. Second verse is dedicated to Nas, and it was a well thought out song as well. They went kind of over their stan- their typical stanza limits, so to speak, but there are still good songs in, in that regard. Even even back to back, like I know you're not the biggest fan of Drake, but that was a well thought out diss record, and he put it into the form of a club record. And I think people forget before that record came out was Charged Up, and that song was largely underrated because the beat didn't bump or bang or whatever, but he still had clever wordplay in it. And then Back to Back was just a cherry on top, basically. Like, he dissed Meek, but he made it a hot song as well. It got nominated for a Grammy, for God's sake. I can't sakes. even, but this is what I'm saying about this one. It can't be compared to those. Like, it, it can't. Drake, Drake's Agreed. were, I would say Drake's were much better compared yes. to this. Like, you mm-hmm. can't, yeah, I can't take her serious, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Like, you can't, if you're gonna make it like that, you have to come with those those hitters, and yeah. I didn't really feel any hitters. You know what it was? Any serious things? I feel like there was only maybe two or three lines that she had that were like, "Oh, okay, that was decent." Yeah, exactly. But the hit wasn't there. The like, hit it was... wasn't there. You can't. That's her first thing after either of Remy's tracks were dropped. Yeah, you can't come with that. You gotta come with fire. That yeah. was not fire. That was like flame. Like that was that was that lighter that's going out. Exactly. It's like flick flicker. Yeah. <laughs> like that. That's like, a, like trying to light something outside right now. Like it's just yeah. It's not picking up. Exactly. <laughs> like the line she had about um about about like rings or whatever and mentioned LeBron James. Yeah. Like, okay, like that that hit. I'm like okay, cool. That's interesting. And then she said something about about Pap whatever. Right. And there was a play on words between Pap. Who's in Pap Smear? So I'm like, okay, that's that's kind of clever, but the delivery was just so nonchalant, and that's what's the delivery just came it. off like she didn't write it, yeah, herself. Even even then, like either she didn't write it herself or she just didn't give a shit. Yeah. Basically, it was just like it wasn't battle stance. It was just like ha ha ha. Like no, yeah, look how much Someone's money coming I got. at you da, like da, 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 that. Da. You come back and you, for, you forget the money and you go to the real shit. And like, here's the thing that kills me about <laughs> it. Here's the thing that kills me about it. It's not like Remy came out of nowhere and hit her with that. If you look at the backstory, right, right, it was right. Nikki who started it. Yep. So I'm thinking, if you started it, then you have to be the one to bring the heat then. Like, she yeah. almost meets herself in that regard. Now, here's the thing. I was reading the Instagram post that was followed up afterwards. And this is what she said in her post. And I quote, Hashtag young money to the death of me. Committee perjury. Hashtag I got before and after pictures of your surgery. Hashtag stop surgery shaming before i post them hashtag fraud disc records can't be lies great disc records are facts but here at young money we don't do disc records we drop hit records and diss you on them i got a bunch more on cock pause the greats took three months to respond to disc records queens don't move on peasant time queens shut down paris then drop hits on queen time i love my fans y'all the real heavy piece <laughs> been writing my own rap <laughs> yo i'm looking at you through my peripherals i even like the full thing anyways hold on hold on <laughs> all right i love my fans y'all the real mvps been writing my own rap since i was 11 god knows next week i'll beat aretha for the most hot 100 hits on billboard by any woman in the world ever in the history of music stay in your lane you bum ass place jealousy gets you nowhere love to all my bad bitches now i got a countdown of my own for shanene you got 72 hours to drop a hit and i'll give you a half a million dollars if you can book any show or interview without mentioning the queen name on another note my album is nothing but waves lol my babies you're gonna get your complete life love you guys so effing much let's go hashtag the frost hashtag changed it hashtag regret in yours reggie martin shout out to lady love for speaking facts they act like they didn't see your interview though lol kisses now here's the thing right here she said more in that post than she did on the record like as First far as like all. emotion and stuff like that like you could tell if she wasn't affected by that remy thing but by sheetha or anything else there would be no need for this post nope. 
exactly. There'd be no need. She's, she's in her feelings right now. That, she's that was, literally that was that, meeking right now. That was that cherry on the top because she couldn't. She could have come back. Exactly. That's how you know she didn't write that. If she wrote that, she wouldn't need to write that. Exactly. Like she wrote an <laughs> essay, basically. <laughs> like, like one of the things she said that that stood out to me was, um, "Disc records can't be lies. Great disc records are facts." The amount of facts that Remy put into Sheether. First, yeah. First yeah. and foremost, I mean, talking about how half your body is fake, which it is. It's well documented. You made tracks about it yeah. plenty of times. Um, the fact that Safari has written a ton of your records, which is fact, which has been proven. And even the fact that she got at her about her brother being uh, an alleged uh, pedophile. Yep. Like, that's facts. facts. Okay? Facts. Like, there's court trials about it that's been telegraphed. You were at the proceedings and everything. So, facts. And then there's another thing that she said. Oh, you have you got 72 hours to drop a hit and I'll give you half a million dollars and book any show. Um, last I checked, all the way up went double platinum. First of all. And it was nominated for a Grammy. And she had mil- – not millions of shows, but she had, like, a gang of shows and performances after that record dropped. And mind you, this is – it wasn't her fresh out of prison, but, like, maybe a year or two after prison. So the fact that people are still clamoring to listen to a record like that, even though it's not your traditional sounding hip-hop record of today's generation, shows that she still has some pull. Not a whole lot of pull because, mind you, the album sales with her and Fat Joe, they weren't that great. But nonetheless, she still has an ability to make a single depending on if it's her type of sound. And, again, nominated for a Grammy. I didn't see that coming. You know what I mean? So And she has her own project coming. So. It, exactly. So she's I'm good. Sure she will have no problem releasing within 72 hours. Definitely not. So at the end of the day, this is just like, this is basically a, an example of where they stand at. Remy is your more traditional street rapper who's going to give you that street record like, it, like a sheet there, rhyming over someone else's beat and having a mixtape hot, which is the reason why it's no longer on iTunes because she doesn't own the publishing to that beat, unfortunately. Whereas with Nicki, she went the, the Drake route in a sense, trying to make a distance to a hit record. She had the formula, but it just didn't hit. But because her fanatics are just loyal fans, they're going to buy into it anyway, which is the reality of the situation. Overall, as far as who wins and who loses based on all the variables, lyrically, of course, Remy won. Um, and then, you know, just for longevity purposes, it's going to be Nicki because this is her generation. And the funny thing is, and I said, it, I said this last week, if Remy didn't go to jail for eight years, who knows where Nikki would be right now? Because they both came out around the same time. They both came out around the same Mind you, Remy popped in 04. Nikki got her grind started in 07, 08, basically. But right when right when Remy went to jail, out of nowhere comes Nikki. So out of nowhere, right. Who knows? Right. Who knows? And one thing before I kind of bring this topic to a close, I found it interesting that Yesterday, so a day before this job, which is today, Remy had some thoughts. And she was being interviewed about the whole situation. And this is what she said. I do not condone or recommend the tearing down of another female. That's not what I do. Anybody that knows me knows I embrace females. Always want to do some girl-oriented thing. I think we work so much better when we work together and when we help each other. I just don't, especially when I know someone who's come from somewhere like I've come from, when you come from the bottom and you've actually managed to make something of yourself and it just makes me happy. It just makes me all mushy inside. However, in the event that you piss me off and we and we become March enemies, run for cover. Now, I'm going to get your thoughts in a second. But personally, how I feel about that is I understand exactly where she's coming from. I'm very empathetic towards that. But I'm looking at it from the lens of a of, of a hip-hop thing. Like Battles are part of hip-hop culture, whether it's man versus man, woman versus woman, woman versus man, vice versa. It's an integral part of the culture. So I'm not thinking man versus man or, or, or anything like that. I'm just thinking rapper versus rapper. Because like, if that's the case, that's like me saying if Jay-Z and Nas were battling against, like, oh, it's, I can't stand to see two black men tear each other down. I'm not looking at it from that. I'm looking at it from a rapper perspective. Uh, but what's your take on what she said, though? I see where she's trying to come from. Mm-hmm. It's from a good place. Yeah. Because really, like... She's the kind of person, I guess, to like mind her own business until you come for her, right? Yeah, rightfully so. So it's it's. I feel like it's still how anyone else might, like a few other people might feel, but they just might not voice it. Yeah, because they're just like battle, battle. Exactly. So yeah, uh, it it is what it is at the end yeah. of the day. But nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, what do y'all think? What are your thoughts on the battle? Did it go down the way you wanted it to go down? Who won the battle lyrically? 
who won the war overall in your take, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and share your thoughts. Coming up after commercial break, man, we have the Wankster of the Week. But before we get to that, it's time for that Flashback Friday track of the day. So let's drop that drop real quick. Hey, you guys already know, man. Hit me up on Twitter and let me know what track you want to hear for the segment. Now, because we are in March, it is Women's History Month. So for the month of March, we will be playing... Uh, records within hip-hop and R&B from some of the most legendary rappers and singers in the hip-hop R&B collaboration generation, basically. That's what we're doing. We did the same thing for Black History Month where we honored some of the uh, the best artists in black music in general, and we're going to do the same thing for the ladies for this month. Now, because it is also falling under the uh, anniversary of the death of Biggie Smalls and what have you, I figure what better artist to celebrate than the lovely and talented Faith Evans. We're talking about a lady who basically um, strengthened the uh, bad boy uh, Jiggy era, basically, of the mid-90s and was the first lady of such a prominent label. And her and Biggie actually were hip-hop's first power couple, if you think about it. Because after that, it became Jay-Z and Beyonce, Nas and Khalees, Corrupt Foxy Brown, etc., etc. Like, she made it cool for R&B singers to date rappers in that sense. And, of course, above all else, some of the most smoothest and sensual vocals that you'll ever listen to in whatever system that you're bumping it into. So, on that note, we got to get into my personal favorite record from Faith Evans, Soon As I Get Home. And I would love for a woman to sing me that on any given day of the week. I'm just saying. (laughs) So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. And we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. (laughs) Maximum FM Hip Hop. Like us on Facebook. Cool cats and cool kittens. Pardon me. I was all over my feelings during that commercial break. So it was Mel. But nonetheless, it is your man, GM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. Oh, God. That was a tantalizing record. Jesus. I've, it's been it's been a long time since I last listened to that record. Oh, oh. Anyways, I'm not gonna try to get caught up in the past because <laughs> we have a show to get on, and we have the final segment that you guys have been waiting for. And this one's gonna be a doozy tonight. I promise you that. <clears throat> so with that being said, who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of coonery? This week. Oh boy, oh boy, is this person a coon for this one? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. This week's Wankster of the Week goes to Nero Brain Surgeon and failed politician Ben Carson, aka Uncle Ben Carson. So, Ben Carson is getting the Wankster of the Week. Because of his inflammatory comments in regards to African slaves, he referred to them as immigrants. Yes, Immig- slaves, immigrants. So, um, I don't know where the correlation began, but nonetheless, I have it on tape, tape, so to speak. And I'm going to play that right now. Let's, let's do this, people. Let's, 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 let's get into this. Where other immigrants who came here in the bottom of slave ships worked even longer, even harder for less. But they too had a dream. They, they <laughs> oh, they had a dream, all right. They had a dream to get the fuck out. That was their dream. They had a dream to go back to the promised land, which was their home and native of Africa. But they didn't achieve that dream, unfortunately, because of the powers that be. But somehow, someway, in his sick, twisted mind, they came here voluntarily. Because being an immigrant into a country means that you came voluntarily on your own free will. Free will. Freedom. Something that was stripped and taken away from them. Now, of course, people lost their collective shit on Twitter. And rightfully so. Normally, I don't really condone trolling, but this time was more than necessary. Hell, I almost jumped in. But nonetheless, people had their responses to it, but no response was greater than resident loud black man in Hollywood, Samuel L. Jackson, who gave the most emphatic 
response I've ever seen on Twitter. And this is what the man said, and I quote. And, of course, Samuel L. Jackson sticks on a plain voice. <clears throat> Motherfucker, please! I kid you not, ladies and gentlemen, that is what he said. Mind you, there's other things that followed up before the motherfucker, please. But he literally capped it off with motherfucker, please. And then the hashtag, I believe, was uh, dickheaded Tom. Yo, that got like 250 retweets, and rightfully so. So Samuel L. Jackson, I just might go and see Kong because of that. But nonetheless, we got to get to this roast right here. I find it very ironic that a man... Who, is, who has credentials for being a neurological surgeon, which means you work on people's heads, can be so stupid. But then again, I shouldn't be surprised because this is America over here. America is the only country where you can have a well-known um, socialite who does nothing but basically gets on tape and has sex with other celebrities, becomes a reality tar reality TV star mogul and superstar in that in that regard aka Kim Kardashian <laughs> we live in a world where a man who has had seven wives has had four bankrupt businesses and has no experience in political office whatsoever becomes the 45th president of the United States of America that's Donald Trump and now we have a man who is completely idiotic and lacks any type of logic whatsoever who has a past history of being a neurological surgeon. It really is possible to be anything you want to be in America. That is what I've come to learn. A white man who has no experience being, uh, being in the office is now president. A woman who has done nothing for herself in life, as far as work goes, is one of the biggest moguls in television. And someone who is completely idiotic and has no idea of what he's talking about has credentials to become a neurological surgeon. And the fact that it's coming from a black man, a black man who is easily probably a descendant of a slave, because we all know that Carson is most likely a slave name, unless if he came from Africa, which I know he didn't, because I am, am like first generation Canadian. So I do have descendants, of course, from, from that era. But my side of the family, I guess, stayed within, within the homeland, and you know, thankfully so. But nonetheless, this guy's moronic. He's an idiot. He's a coon. He's an Uncle Tom. He's a jigaboo. Whatever you want to call him, he fits all those negative stereotypical words that were created in the English dictionary many years ago that still translate to this day. And he is living proof of that. The fact that he would say that his ancestors were slave or sorry, no, were 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 immigrants on the bottom of slave ships. And they and they fought and they survived. Not a lot of them survived. Some of them jumped off the ship. Some of them died in the ship. Some of them died through all the abusive beatings that they got. Some of them were raped. Some of them were auctioned off. But no, in his twisted mind, they were immigrants. <sighs> this is what happens when you drink your own urine. Um, Probably voted for Trump. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Nonetheless, he's got to get this wankster. He's... You're a black man! Uh, you know what? Fuck it. Do you deserve this wankster? Yes. He's the wankster of the year. It's only March, but he's the wankster of the year. I'm calling it right now. He's at least top five. Mel, please, please. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. <clears throat> I. <sighs> like, we shouldn't be surprised, but. It's no, sad. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. It's just right. sad. It's just sad. And, yeah, unfortunately, he might be the one of the year because uh, I don't know how you could top that. But I don't want to test the world, so. <laughs> you know what? This wankster is so strong, he may not ever be eligible again. Like, this is worth three wanksters. You know what I mean? But nonetheless, we're going to move off of this stuff. <laughs> we're going to get to more pleasant things. So before we end off the show, um, Mel... Uh, what yes, upcoming uh, projects do you have in the works right now? I have a few projects, about two, mm -hmm. that will be released throughout the year. One in May and um, another one later in the year. Um, I don't want to name names yet. Of course, of course. Because uh, you got to give me the exclusive for that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just, you know it's, 
it's gonna be it's gonna be big it's gonna be crazy it's gonna be lots of awesomeness um basically just follow me on instagram if you want to keep up mm-hmm. at from the crack in the concrete mm-hmm. um yes yeah, follow me keep up i do a few performances here and there i mostly hit up open mics nowadays mm-hmm. um until that that release comes through um uh, pretty excited it's gonna be a different sound in a sense mm-hmm just it's gonna be a lot of different stuff, new stuff, just reinvention. It'll yeah. be really cool. Absolutely. I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, that's, that's that's it. I'm going to. I went to New York to hey. perform a few weeks ago, and I'm going back in a few weeks, and we're gonna see how that goes. All right, then. <laughs> So, Mel, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, you. you know you're welcome to come through anytime. You just hit me up. We'll make it happen. Um, as for the rest of y'all, listen, uh, next week we have uh, basketball blogger uh, Drew Ebanks of On Point Basketball in studio next week. Uh, the playoffs are on the rise, and we're going to be talking about that and a whole and a whole bunch more. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Also, make sure you hit us up on Twitter at Cool underscore Radio. Make sure you follow us on SoundCloud and catch all the uh, podcasts in their full form at Cool underscore Radio. Make sure you hit the YouTube page, um, Cool. Actually, it's going to be www.youtube.com slash coolradiocc, which is our new URL. Uh, we have over 100 subscribers right now, so we want to bump that up to 200 or 300 so on and so forth so make sure you hit that up and then the fan page uh cool radio cc on facebook uh, once again it is your man dm cool and cool radio is a division of cool click media and entertainment reminding you each and every day that we are creating our own legacies keep it gravy and wavy we are out of here peace